Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pardon My Clarity, the podcast where we discuss Christian views and opinions. We weigh them against Scripture and see how they hold up. I'm your host, John Maskey, and today we're going to talk about worldliness. What is it? What does it mean? Let's talk about it. The word worldliness is not actually found in the King James Bible. It's a word used by Christians most often to refer to things that are attributes, traits, practices, or unchristian actions that the unsaved world practices in regularity. Most often the phrase, the appearance of evil, is used as a proof text for this widely held belief. But what does the Bible mean when it talks about worldliness or unchristian behavior? Let's find out together. When the Bible uses the term the world, it's oftentimes referring to the people in the world, the population of humanity. John 3.16 is probably the most well-known passage for this. For God so loved the world. Now, the other usage of this term found in Scripture would be passages like 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This usage is most often associated with the term worldliness. And this is where I believe we need some clarification. What is this passage defining as the world or the things of the world? This is where we see a break from the scriptural meaning, and unfortunately, the biblical meaning is often lost in the sermon. If you're like me, you've probably heard dozens, if not hundreds, of sermons about this topic of worldliness, with 1 John chapter 2 being used as a proof text more often than not. It's used to describe things that may not be specifically named as sin in the Bible, So instead, it gets used as a blanket term to cover anything that looks wrong to our point of view. If something can't be proven clearly from Scripture to be a sin, then we categorize it under worldly and then preach about it as if it were actually a sin in the Bible. If someone smokes, we don't have a clear verse for it in Scripture, so we whip out the worldliness card and use it to say that that looks like the world, so it's wrong. If somebody wears clothing that's a little too trendy for our liking or a little too extreme or too colorful, we throw the worldly dressing label at them. If someone wears a skirt that we've decided is too tight or a haircut that has too many colors in it, we pull the you look like the world card on them. Unfortunately, for those who label everything they don't like as worldly, the Bible clearly defines what worldliness is. Are you ready for this? It's sin, as an actual sin, as in the breaking of God's laws, as in actual commands given clearly in Scripture. That's what worldliness is. Now, you might ask, where can I find this definition? Where, where is this in the Bible? Because if you're like me, you probably heard your whole life and understood your whole life. Even when you read it in Scripture, you understood worldliness to be in Something that's not a sin but looks like the world. But that's not what the Bible says. Where can we find this definition? Fortunately, for those who wish to know, 
The very next verse in John chapter 2 very clearly defines these for us. 1 John chapter 2 verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. There we have it. A three-point outline breaking down what worldliness is. First, the lust of the flesh. Second, the lust of the eyes. Third, the pride of life. God has a wonderful way of explaining himself when it comes to his commands. He will never leave us an intangible law that can't be clearly understood. Nor will he grant us a wild card to use whenever we disagree with something. I believe we are to speak where God speaks and be silent where he is silent. It's not our job to go around enforcing our extra laws on people because we don't think God was clear enough. Neither is it our job to ignore clear instruction given in scripture. All the sins in the world can be divided clearly into three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Worldliness means anything that is a sin. Anything that breaks God's laws. Anything that causes pride or lust. Lust of flesh, lust of eyes, pride of life. There it is. Right there in scripture. Worldliness does not mean things that copy the style or flavor of the world. You probably heard this passage used in that context time and time again. You probably heard it used to scold styles of music, even Christian styles of music, styles of dress, new technology, the latest form of social media, any social media. Oddly enough, it rarely ever is used in reference to sporting events or, you know, things that we deem acceptable. Our own pet worldliness, if you will. And that always bothered me, if I can be honest with you guys. Like, that that's the first thing that really stood out to me, is that about this word worldliness is why are all these random intangibles considered worldliness, but your favorite NFL team is okay to listen to or watch or even attend? Why is that? Aren't those things worldly if any of the other things are? If pink hair is worldly, but it's not in the Bible, isn't cheerleaders and beer and rock music played at high volumes, wouldn't that also qualify, even though it's not mentioned in the Bible specifically, as worldliness? It's funny how we draw the lines in places that we deem acceptable. But that's what happens when we make up a truth that doesn't align with the Word of God. It's not found in the Word of God. It sounds spiritual. It sounds great to say, well, you know, that's not a sin, but it looks like the world. And we're told to stay away from even what looks like the world. Which leads us to our next proof text used by most people who believe that worldliness means anything that looks like the world. 
1 Thessalonians 5.22. It reads in the King James, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Boom. Mic drop. There we have it. Ladies and gentlemen, the single text upon which this doctrine rests, as rock solid in its language and phraseology as you can get. It means what it means. There's no way we got this one wrong, right? Well, let's see if our definition of this word has changed over time. The word appearance is the confusing word here used in this text. This word means something quite different now, how we use it in our modern English, than how they used to use it 400 years ago. In fact, it might even mean the exact opposite. Let's find out. In looking up the history of this word, you can easily find very easily researchable information. It's very clarifying. The word appearance, the late 14th century, means visible state or form, figure, mere show. From the Anglo-French, A-P-P-A-R-A-U-N-C-E. Appearance, I guess. <laughs> the Old French, A-P-A-R-A-N-C-E which means appearance, display, pomp, in the 13th century. From Latin, apparentia, abstract noun from apparentem, which is the past participle of appare, which means come in sight, make an appearance, be evident, be seen in public, show oneself. So all that confusing jargon means that, simply this, the word appearance means to visibly manifest, to be seen in public, to show yourself. It's not how we think of it when we, when we use it today to describe this verse. Most oftentimes when this verse is being quoted, it's being quoted to say, we need to stay away from anything that even remotely resembles evil. But that is not what the verse is saying. Not at all. The verse is saying, abstain from all the ways that evil shows itself visibly in public. All the ways that evil appears. The appearances of evil. You see, it's so easy to mix those up because we're taking our modern English, our American 21st century English, and we're saying, ooh, the appearance of something means like the way that something may appear, but it's not the actual thing, but it's like something that looks like a thing. The appearance of my phone. It, in other words, it kind of looks like my phone, but it's not my phone. So if I said, abstain from all appearances of blue, we would mean anything that has any remote inkling of blue at all, or abstain from all appearance of football. That means anything that even remotely looks. No, that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, abstain from all the very obvious ways that evil shows itself. It's different. You say it's the same. Well, it is, but it is not. It's, it's, it's different. We are being told in this verse to abstain from all the very evident, clear ways of evil. Let me give you an example of how this verse is improperly used. Movie theaters. Perfect example. This one I never understood growing up. Why is it a sin to go to a movie theater, but it's okay to have a Netflix account? Why is it a sin to go to a movie theater, but it's okay to have a massive 50-inch screen in your basement and a library of 50 Blu-rays? 
What's the difference? Well, this verse and the way it's improperly used would be the definition. We've been told the reason you shouldn't go to a movie theater is because nobody knows what movie you're going in to watch, right? So that means the appearance of evil. You're probably not going in to watch something evil, but the slight even appearance that may look like you're doing something sinful, you need to stay away from that. That is not what 1 Thessalonians 5.22 is saying. Not at all. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 is saying, don't go into the theater that very clearly above the door says, this theater shows only rated R movies or adult-themed movies. And then you go into that one. In other words, there's absolutely no question that you should not be there. There's absolutely no question this is a place of ill repute. There's absolutely no question this is a place of evil. It's the difference between you walking into a gas station that might sell dirty magazines versus you walking into a strip club. That's the difference. While you're probably not going into the gas station just to get inappropriate explicit material, but there's a chance you might versus there's no question that you're going into the strip club for one reason and one reason only. It's probably not to get gas. That's the difference. This passage is saying avoid the obvious ways that evil appears. Now, 400 years ago, everybody understood what this meant a little clearer than we do today. But because our English has changed over time, we take our, our 21st century understanding of the word appearance and how it's used in sentences and we say, oh, this means anything that looks like evil. But that is not what the verse is saying. There is no place in scripture where God tells us to stay so far away from the line that we get to draw our own lines. That's not how laws work. That's not how God works. That's not how freedom works. By the way, freedom doesn't mean I get to cross the line. Freedom means I get to go all the way up to the line. Because the line is the line. Sin is crossing the line. Okay, if God puts a demarcation in the sand, right? He draws a line and says, this is murder. Then you don't get to cross the line and, and it'd be okay. But you also don't have to say, well, I'm just going to avoid humans entirely so that I never even am in any situation whereby I may kill someone. That's ludicrous. But that is how we operate, isn't it? On some levels. Can we just be real? We operate in a, in a complete fear of sin. We are so afraid that we, or our people, or our teenagers, or our children, or our college students, or our church members, whoever, are going to fall into sin, and we're so afraid of sin that we have no clear understanding of why God drew the line where he did. God's pretty clear on his laws. You know, the Bible says, Jesus Jesus said this, he said, whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. So the law in the Old Testament was, do not commit adultery, right? That was the line, don't commit adultery. And Jesus says, I take it further, I make it an inward thing. It's enough about the outward stuff. 
Well, I don't go around anywhere. I don't go to malls anymore. I just, I just stay away from places where women dress inappropriately. Okay, well, I don't see that in scripture. Jesus says to take the law instead of applying it to the outside. Apply it to your heart. If you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery already with her. So if you're checking out women, that's the same thing as adultery. See, God takes it to the heart issue. But what we want to do is we want to make it all about the external, how we apply the filters, right? So really, if you want to completely avoid from ever having wandering eyes concerning women, right? If you're a guy and you're worried about this, why not just take it all away? Why not just cut out your eyes? In fact, isn't there a place in scripture where Jesus mentions this? He says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. You're so worried about what your eyes are going to see. You're so worried about how offending, like, you're so worried about how you can please God with your externals. You're so worried about the filters, the parameters, the protections. You're so afraid that you're going to get too close to the line and you might break the law. But you have no understanding of why the law exists in the first place. So if you are somebody who struggles with your eyes, but you're not trying to fix it inwardly, your, your objective to, to, to protect people is to uh, forbid them from going to malls or places where people gather and become a social hermit crab, then I can solve that one for you easily. Um, just take a red hot poker and gouge out your eyeballs. And then you'll never worry about, you'll never worry about lusting, right? And that's, that, that is where that, that logic would lead. If you're worried about your hands getting into things they shouldn't get into or touching things they shouldn't touch or stealing, then you need to just cut your hands off and you'll never have to worry about stealing ever again. If you're worried about the way you talk and you've tried all the different ways to rein your habits in and kick these habits, well, I can solve it for you. Because if you're just trying to apply external filters and you're not trying to deal with the inward heart issue, then the best thing for you to do is to just cut your tongue out. But you know what you haven't done at that point? If you're walking around without any hands or any feet or any eyes or a tongue, you haven't dealt with the heart issue. Jesus makes it about the heart. He makes it about the inward. You hate somebody, you've committed murder. You look up someone to lust after them, you've committed adultery. It's the inward. It's about the why. It's the inward. So instead of worrying about the appearance of evil on the outside, we need to be worried about the inside. Change and transformation starts from within. I want to be a Christian who is able to walk amongst the world, in the world, but different from the world. I'm a light that doesn't get dimmed by the darkness around me. I shine brighter because of the darkness around me. And that's not because I walk around in, in, in more conservative clothing or I, I have more, more outward external dress up that makes me different. That's not what makes me different. It's the inward that makes me different. That's what sets us apart. Worldliness doesn't mean the styles of the world. I can wear a hoodie and Yeezys and still be a Christian. I can smoke a cigarette and still be a Christian. These are externals. And they're not sin. They might be stupid. They might be unhealthy. They might be they they might be confusing. They might be extreme, but they're not sins. 
Worldliness is not some intangible. Worldliness means the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The biblical usage for the world. That is the correct usage. I know this might seem like a somewhat trivial thing, but it, it's a term that gets thrown around so much, and it's like the wild card of certain denominations and, and, and certain people when they can't prove that what you're doing is wrong from the Bible, they just throw worldly at you. That label, they just they just hit you in the head with it and say, well, this is worldly. Like that's somehow supposed to just be an end-all argument. But that's not what, how the Bible teaches it. We must be clear. We don't get to make up our own rules along the way. Stand fast in the liberty that Christ has made you free in. You have liberty. That means don't be afraid walking around, afraid that you're going to step in the latest sin pile that's just built up under your feet, or you're going to step in it like it's some cow turd. Walk with freedom. Walk with liberty. Understanding what sin is. Having a clear understanding of it and refusing to partake in it. That's freedom. Freedom to say no to sin. Would that we could all live in such freedom. I hope this has been a help today. It's certainly one that has opened my eyes in recent months. I hope it can be an encouragement. I hope it don't come off too sarcastic. It's, it is not my goal, I promise you. I. This is something I'm very passionate about because I see God's people shackled by rules that they made. Their own chains chains of legalism that say you have to do all these intangibles that have nothing to do with scripture that aren't even found in scripture because it's a cultural milieu it's something we don't like it's something that is offensive or abrasive to the way we do things and while it may not be wrong we need to find a way to make it wrong god help us to move away from such culture embrace the liberty in Christ, and understand clearly what is sin so that we can avoid it. Yes, preach against it. Yes, avoid it. Yes, mark it. But don't come up with your own laws. You're not God. I'll take God's law any day over someone else's. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar by comparison. Thanks for listening to the episode today. If you um, feel like it, like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Smash the like button if there is one. Um, yeah, guys. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it so much. We'll see you next episode.